Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Danielle Heft, who is an admissions counselor at the University at Albany. Danielle, how are you today? Hi, John. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you, number one, because I want to hear about the university at Albany. But number two, I need to mention full disclosure here, Danielle was actually a student of mine where I'm the principal. So it's so cool to see you all grown up, you know, a young woman um, (laughs) out in the workforce. There you are, an admissions counselor at the University of Albany. Definitely. Repping uh, repping SAS, it's strong for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. So Danielle, why don't we just start by asking you to tell us about yourself. How long have you been an admissions counselor and how did you end up in this position? Absolutely. So um, like you said, I grew up on Long Island. Um, When I was going through the college admissions process myself, I was a little unsure of where I was going to go. As most students, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that uh, through our podcast today. But I wound up choosing the university at Albany for both my bachelor's degree and eventually my master's degree as well. I always knew that I wanted to go into a helping profession and Through my time as an undergraduate student and as a graduate student, I had a growing interest of getting into the helping profession. And then I really discovered higher education. I worked in a couple different offices on campus. And as I got to the end of my graduate program, I really learned and took on a great interest in the field of admissions. And my senior or my thesis in my master's program was actually about college admissions. And so a couple months went along and there was an opening uh, at the University at Albany Office of Undergraduate Admissions for a counselor position. Um, and I applied to it. And here we are two years later. Um, I love <laughs> it. I I, um, I think it's honestly the dream job. I really do enjoy what I do every day. So um, that's kind of how I got to this place. Well, I know the great work that you do and the University at Albany is certainly very lucky to have you. And we are so grateful to have you here today so that you could give us your insight So what is it about the University at Albany that makes it so appealing for so many students, Danielle, to want to apply? Yeah, absolutely. This is a really great question. And the first thing that I always tell students and their families that are exploring colleges is specifically about UAlbany. 
we are in such a prime location. We are in the capital of New York. And so we're not in necessarily the middle of nowhere. We have access to just so much when it comes to opportunities outside of the classroom. So internships, part-time job opportunities, research experiences, and you don't have to wait until you are an upperclassman to take advantage of these. Just as a quick example, I actually worked with a student who set up her own internship as an incoming student to work in Senator Gillibrand's office her first semester as a freshman at UAlbany. So she was going downtown, balancing her classes. And so that just kind of goes to show you what's within arm's reach and right down the road from UAlbany. Now, One of the other things that I like to mention is that we are part of the SUNY system, uh, which is the system of public higher education within New York State. There are 64 campuses within the SUNY system. And so UAlbany has about 180,000 alumni worldwide. So if you multiply that by 64, that just goes to show you how many SUNY alums there are out there. And so when it comes to networking and, you know, getting places in a student's career, I really am a big advocate for the the SUNY system and, of course, UAlbany. Um, One of the other things in terms of our academic programs that I always like to specifically touch upon, um, UAlbany started out as a teacher's college, and so we were helping teachers prepare to go into the field of education. But we've greatly evolved since then. So we have about 50 undergraduate majors, 70 undergraduate minors, and continuously growing each year. One of the programs that I am a really big advocate for when it comes to students is actually our uh, College of Emergency Preparedness, Homeland Security, and Cybersecurity program. This was the first program of its kind in the nation, and UAlbany just opened up a brand new building dedicated to this major and as well as our atmospheric and environmental science majors. So if you're someone that likes to prepare for national emergencies, cybersecurity, (laughs) maybe interested in 3D printing, that is the major for you. Uh, UAlbany has a model program for this as well. Um, Certainly, we are strong in the liberal arts and sciences, but we are a research one institution. So we do have um, all of our faculty participating in their own unique research uh, each and every day, and really then translating that to the students at the classroom level as well. Well, thank you so much for explaining those programs. That's terrific insight. And I love the fact that you talked about how many alumni there are and the networking opportunities. And by the way, the fact that it is considered a SUNY, it's also a great education at a great value, which definitely is part of the equation for many students and their families. So again, Danielle, we appreciate that insight. What is the student demographic makeup at UAlbany? Yeah, so UAlbany has actually been recognized as the most diverse campus within the SUNY system. Now, when we talk about diversity, I want to uh, emphasize that diversity goes beyond of what you can see on the outside, right? So it's um, where students come from, what their background is, maybe what their beliefs are religiously and culturally. So UAlbany is really a nice melting pot of students from all across the state. Uh, We have about 13,000 undergraduate students and about 4,000 graduate students. So we are considered a medium-sized or a mid-sized university, Um, so around hovering 17,000 in total. Now, when you compare our gender makeup, we're pretty even. We have about 52% female and about 48% male students. And about 90% of our students come from in-state, so inside New York State. And then about 10 student, 10% of students come from outside New York State as well. 
We also draw a lot of students internationally, which is really nice. So it really just kind of dives back to uh, how diverse we are and uh, the community that you can really find students that are like you and thrive here. That's fantastic. Thank you for that information. And how many applications do you receive a year, Danielle? And do you personally represent a specific region? Yeah, so we receive about 20,000 applications per year, which wow. is quite a lot <laughs> to yes, go through <laughs> every year. Um, each year, our incoming class is around 2,800 students, and that is uh, about first-year students and transfer students as well. Now, we typically start reviewing applications in November, uh, beginning with early action, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, and then we go all the way up through around now in March as we're reviewing a regular admission applications. Now, in terms of the areas that I oversee, um, I, could, I kind of oversee quite a few areas uh, within New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I work with students in the greater capital region as well as the mid-Hudson Valley area, but then I also do some select schools in Brooklyn and Queens. So it's nice to kind of get out on the road. You know, it's nice being um, able to do that again. I know with COVID, we weren't able to travel as much, but it's been really nice to get back in person, do some college fairs, and meet some interested students. Can you walk us through the process of how you evaluate so many applications? Are there teams of people, for example, representing different regions? If so, how many applications is each group responsible for? People always ask me about the evaluation process itself. So Danielle, any insight that you could provide would be greatly appreciated. Yes. And so this is a very common question. I think everyone wants to know what goes on behind the scenes in an admissions <laughs> office. And, you know, I think there are some common misconceptions out there. And so, um, and I will say that every office does every, does things a little bit differently, but at least for the University at Albany, um, our admissions counselors typically read applications in the areas that they oversee recruitment in. So I typically um, read applications for the, the areas and the schools that I recruit students in and same for the other counselors. Now, depending on the application, it'll have anywhere from one to two reviewers. So it really depends on the student's application. Um, if we feel confident in admitting a student, they have a great transcript, their letters of recommendation, their essay, everything kind of checks out and looks solid. That might be an application where you have maybe one reviewer, whereas, you know, maybe a student that might be on the fence, that's where you might want to ask for a second opinion. And oftentimes, this is something that I do. I do ask for a second opinion opinions a lot. Um, the one thing that I will mention as well in terms of the process behind the scenes is that all of our applications go through something called quality control review. So before a decision is released to a student, that application has been reviewed by our operations team to make sure that everything matches up, you know, there's no mistakes being made in the process. And so everything is quality reviewed um, so that, yes, the, ultimately there is the final um, pass when it comes to making the decision on the application. Well, thank you so much for that information, Danielle. We really appreciate it. Let me ask you, what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and any other related data you collect, such as SAT or ACT scores? So our mid 50th percent of accepted students range anywhere from an 89 to a 95 on a 100 scale. On a 4.0 scale, that translates to around a 3.4 to a 3.8. I do want to emphasize, though, that this is the mid-50th percent of students that were accepted. So that means that there are 25% of students below that range and 25% of students above that range that were accepted to Albany. 
Now for testing purposes, our mid-range of students that did submit test scores is usually around 1150 to 1310 for SATs and around a 23 to 29 for the ACT. Great. Thank you so much for that information. We appreciate it. Do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate the GPA using your own calculations? And if so, what do you look at from a student's academic record, and how do you evaluate it? So this is something new to the admissions office and was developed around the fall 2021 admissions cycle. We do recognize that high schools vary in terms of how they calculate GPA, and some schools weight versus unweight GPAs differently. Um, And it also goes into effect of how, whether they inflate or deflate the student's GPA. So that's something that really went into effect when developing this adjusted GPA. So we had a team of researchers in our office that looked at every high school in New York State and used that data to determine this adjusted GPA formula. So when students are applying from any high school inside of New York State, we are automatically able to see their adjusted GPA. So this is really nice when we are looking at the student's transcript. And this adjusted GPA is mostly what we use when evaluating the student's record and their application. So we are able to see their raw GPA, which is what's listed on their transcript. But by and large, we mostly use this adjusted GPA to determine um, whether they are admissible or not. Now, when it comes to the general evaluation of a student's application, we look for something what's called an upward trend. And so this is in a combination with some other things. However, an upward trend, we notice that sometimes students might struggle their first semester when they're transitioning from middle into high school. But by and large, every year they are somewhat performing in an upward trend. And so they're taking challenging courses that are available to them. Um, Perhaps maybe they're also taking classes relating to their intended major. And so again, each year they're becoming more of a well-rounded student so that we feel confident that they're going to be a good fit for us here at UAlbany. And if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class's average, what are some of the things they can do to increase their chances of being admitted? So this is a frequently asked question that I get by students and their families alike. I think demonstrated interest is key in the process. Demonstrated interest is a buzzword that we hear a lot when it comes to the college admissions process. And I always recommend students to taking that extra step if they might be on the cusp of admission. And even if they're not, again, it just goes to show that you are showing greater interest in that college. You're making the personal connection with the undergraduate admissions office to really just show, again, how, de- how dedicated you are when it comes to that specific school. The other thing that I always recommend students is be transparent with us. Sometimes we'll look at your transcript and see that you might have struggled a little bit, maybe in ninth or 10th grade, and we want to know what happened. And it's okay. We know that COVID especially might have had an impact on things, but be transparent with us. Again, we're your biggest advocate in the office when it comes to reviewing your application. And again, we want to make sure that you're going to be the best fit for us. So please reach out to us. Well, that's great advice. What about early action? Early action is non-binding, and if you apply as such, the entire application is generally due by November 15th. Danielle, are there any benefits in applying early action, such as more scholarship opportunities, for example? 
That's a great question as well. So I typically do recommend students applying early action, but this is a conversation that the student's going to want to have with their guidance counselor and their family to determine whether early action is the best plan for them. Sometimes it isn't, though, because sometimes a student does need some more time to prepare their application materials, and that's totally fine. Now, if a student does apply early action specifically for UAlbany, it does guarantee them an admissions decision by June. January 1st. If students are admitted early action, there are some additional perks such as scholarships. Uh, we do have something called competitive awards, which actually I have a big hand in overseeing, and these are related to students' intended majors um, and also whether they've taken any university and the high school classes with us and other scholarship opportunities. So again, if money is something that uh, you are looking for and maybe you want some more <laughs> scholarships, make sure to apply early action because that is something Thing that you might be eligible for. Um, we also have some other programs for first-year students, such as our Pillars program. Uh, this is a first-year engagement program where students can uh, be placed into a living learning community early um, and get some other perks as well. So certainly, again, early action is something to definitely keep on your radar. But again, like I said, it's not for every student. So make sure to weigh the benefits of it. Well, great job, an amazing job clarifying that for us. Thank you so much. I know that UAlbany, Danielle, is test optional. However, if a student doesn't choose to submit their SAT or ACT, ACT scores with their application, how does that influence merit scholarships or financial aid? I do understand that need-based financial aid is, of course, based on the FAFSA, but I'm wondering if there's a disadvantage in terms of getting merit-based scholarships if a school is, in fact, test optional. So yes, test optional is a very hot topic right now within the college <laughs> admissions process. And we are currently test optional at UAlbany through the spring 2024 semester. This is a very personalized decision. And so again, this is something that I do recommend students and their families, as long with their guidance counselor, really talk about a lot more because it's going to look very different for each student. And it's going to vary based on your performance in high school and based on your performance on the test. Now, typically what I recommend for students is that if they don't feel like they performed better on the exams than they did in their high school performance and their GPA, maybe that would be something that they want to reconsider and maybe reconsider not submitting their test scores. But if they feel like that is a good representation of them, then why not go ahead and submit the test scores if it's within the mid-range. So test optional has created a lot of equity when it comes to determining merit scholarship. Prior to becoming test optional, merit scholarship was based off of two things. It was based off of the student's GPA, and it was based off of the student's SAT or ACT scores. Now, we all know that test preparation is a large field in of itself, and there's a lot of things that go into it. There are various businesses out there and preparation techniques that students can access in order to prepare for these exams. So let's have a scenario. If a student does not have access to that test preparation, will that negatively impact their merit scholarship? And the answer might have been yes. So now, by being test blind at the University at Albany and not factoring in SAT or ACT scores into merit scholarship, it really helps level out the playing field a lot more. Again, it opens up doors for a lot more equity for students to be able to receive more merit scholarships and not have it based off of the tests on the SAT or ACT scores. 
Well, that's a great answer, Danielle. I really appreciate how deep you went into explaining that one. So thank you again, and we really appreciate it. Have you seen an overall shift with the recent adoption of the test optional policies that you and a lot of other colleges and universities are adapting? How do you see this impacting the future of college admissions? Yes. So we are currently seeing a lot of students choosing not to submit their SAT or ACT scores because it might they might feel like it will negatively impact them in terms of their admissions decision. And so as I mentioned earlier, again, it really is an individualized decision on the student's part, as well as the family and the guidance counselor. Now, when it comes to just the general scope of test optional policies. SUNY was a little bit later to the game. Um, There have been colleges that have been test optional for many, many years now. And so kind of coming in a little bit later opens up a lot more conversations. But honestly, John, I wouldn't be surprised if we will extend our test optional policy uh, maybe permanently. Understood. Understood. Thank you. How important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year? And why would you request to see students' mid-year grades before issuing a decision? This is a very common question that I get asked by students, (laughs) families, and even guidance counselors, surprisingly. Um, It is very important. Just because you've made it to your senior year doesn't necessarily mean you can slack off and, you know, take some, uh, you know, necessarily not challenging courses as well. You know, we want to see that you're challenging yourselves, that you're maybe continuing to take a language in your fourth year. You're taking what's available to you to really help you transition at the end of this year to when you go off to college. And so when it comes to the students' mid-year grades, sometimes when a student's apply early action, we may want to see some additional coursework before we feel confident in making a decision. Um, In these instances, we might defer a student's application, and that's okay. Um, Again, we want to be 100% confident when it comes to making a decision. So that's why we might defer a student's application until we receive the student's mid-year grades. Great answer, and thank you again. Danielle, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought, I really want to see this applicant in our classrooms. Absolutely. And this is a very common question that we get asked by students. And college essays are a huge topic when it comes to the college admissions process. My favorite thing about reading a college admissions essay is when they tell me a story Something that I can't read in your letter of recommendation or something that I can't read in your activities resume, really tell me a story. I want to know more about who you are and why you would be a good fit here at UAlbany. And so some of the most uh, exciting essays and interesting essays that I've read recently For example, one student that I read their essay, they started a business during COVID and they really took initiative because they weren't able to be involved in after school activities. And so they started their own business. And that's something that's really exciting. I'm not going to sit here saying that every student has to start their own business, um, <laughs> but something like that. You know, tell me a story from start to finish. Um, another uh, another essay that I read was a student who was immigrating from a different country, and she told me about what that process was like. And I really felt like she was speaking to me as the reader. And so that would be my biggest advice for students. You know, we do see some common themes. I think athletics and sports are always a big topic. And 
sure, you know, it might be a big part of who you are, but tell me a story if that is a big part of your life. Again, I really want you to kind of jump out of the page at me. Um, We read a lot of essays every year. And so, uh, again, really just tell me a story and, and let me understand who you are as a person. I love that. And it's so simple, but true, right? Tell that story. You want to know who they are in terms of what their character is, their personality, their likes, their dislikes, their interests. And it's a great point. You get the transcript, which talks about the rigor, which talks about grades, the course selection, but it's hard to get to know somebody's personality. So it's really important students to use that essay to really convey who you are. So great advice, Danielle. I really appreciate it. What about a student's activity sheet? A student's activity sheet, of course, is another piece of their application. What are the kinds of things you are looking for beyond the work that a student took part in in the classroom? Absolutely. So I think one of the common misconceptions about the activity sheet and the activities a student participates in is that you don't have to participate in seven or eight different activities, you know, (laughs) throughout the course of your high school years. I would rather see a student that puts 100% into maybe one, two, three activities than put 50% into maybe five, six, seven activities as well. And so um, that's something that I see a lot, you know, is that there is this pressure that you have to be involved in so much and take advantage of everything that's available to you. And again, I'd rather see you put 100% in just a couple activities than, you know, 50% in some others. You know, our goal at the end of the day is that students are going to be well-rounded. They're going to be a good fit for our community at the University at Albany. So I would love if a student is participating in an activity in high school, that they continue that involvement at college, that they really take advantage of the student organizations or the leadership activities or really anything that we have to offer outside the classroom. So again, we're looking for that well-rounded student Yes, they're involved outside the classroom, but how are they performing at the high school level as well? Well, thank you for emphasizing the quality in the participation of the activities as opposed to just the quantity and listing, like you said, seven, eight, nine activities. So quality over quantity, I think always will prevail. So thank you for that, Danielle. I appreciate it. What services does UAlbany offer students that had an IEP or a 504 plan while in high school? For sure. So we have a great office in our Division of Student Affairs. It's called the Disability Resource Center, and it really works with students one-on-one who might have had an IEP or 504 plan in high school. When it comes to the admissions process, students don't necessarily have to disclose to us that they have one of those plans at the high school level, but certainly they can if it will help us in understanding a little bit more about the student. Now, the Disability Resource Center is going to be your one-on-one go-to office in terms of helping navigate how to uh, get some more time on exams, how to communicate with your professors a little bit more, and maybe receive any accommodations that you received at the high school level. At the end of the day, we're here to help you, but essentially you need to uh, help us by reaching out to us as well. So, you know, we're here to help you, but um, the Disability Resource Center is a great outlet for students. Terrific. And thank you so much. And by the way, Danielle, if you have any links to the Disabilities Resource Center or the Office of Admissions or anything else, obviously you could share it with me and I'll be happy to put it into the show notes. So thank you for for that. Thank you. 
What about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known? Absolutely. So the University at Albany is a Division I athletic school. We participate in a couple different athletic conferences. And so one of the things I always recommend students to do is start the process early on. If you are interested in playing athletics in college, make sure you get on the coach's radars early on whether that's in your sophomore or junior year. These are really the key times and the important times to start making those connections early on. On our athletics website, which I'll definitely send you the link for as well, we do have all of the coaches' contact information where students can reach out via email or via phone. And we do also have recruiting forms. So if you are interested in playing a sport at the Division I level here at UAlbany, we do have those recruiting forms, which again, you can access on the website. You fill out early on. Again, name recognition is very key. Um, They're going to want to remember you. And so you're going to want to make that connection early on when it comes to looking to play athletics at the college level. Great advice, Danielle. And lastly, what are the three top pieces of advice you would give students and, of course, their parents who are getting ready for the college process? Oh, man, I don't know how I can narrow it down to just three. That is going to be tough. Well, I think the first piece of advice I would give to students is that this is your process. And so as much as your families and your parents might want to be involved in the process as much as they can, at the end of the day, you're the one going to college and this is your process. So make sure that you have an equal say in all of the things college admissions related. Even if it's just having a conversation over dinner, I know you might not always want to talk about college. It can get boring after a while when your families always bring it up. But again, at the end of the day, this is your process. Now, the second piece of advice that I would give is that there's no messing up. I was just talking to a group of students about this yesterday. There's no messing up in the process. There's no way that you can do this wrong. Um, You know, certainly you might encounter a few hiccups here and there, but That kind of leads into my third piece of advice is that I'm a firm believer that at the end of the day, you wind up where you're meant to be. So even if your first choice doesn't work out or even if you wind up somewhere and then wind up transferring, you wind up where you're meant to be and you're going to be successful in whatever you do. So don't doubt yourself throughout the process. I know this can be a very tough decision at many points throughout the college admissions process. But again, I'm a very firm believer that you wind up where you're meant to be. Well, Danielle, that is great advice. It has been an absolute pleasure listening to you talk about the college admissions process I cannot thank you enough for your time and all of your efforts today. On behalf of all of the students and parents, we truly appreciate it, and we hope to see you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, John, for having me and wishing all the students and their families the best of luck. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.